And so, as we sing in our hymns, we are in the day, on the day, at the day where we celebrate love, Valentine's Day. I don't normally talk a whole lot about Valentine's Day in worship. Not that it's inappropriate, it's a great holiday, but, you know, we always want to celebrate a, a, a broader spectrum of love and, and a, a broader understanding than maybe is somewhat the limits of this uh, holiday, but it is the 14th, and um, so I figured, you know, let's, let's acknowledge uh, kind of what's going on in, in the wider world around us, so much so that I came in um, to the office a few weeks ago. And this tie was on my desk, and Mary Jane Hickson back there had brought it over from the thrift store, from the thrift, <laughs> from the annex. So I wear this in honor of our thrift store volunteers, um, and I've, I've actually got more comments on this tie than just about any tie I've ever worn, so um, maybe I should let the thrift store volunteers pick my wardrobe. Um, I asked Tony a week ago, I said, honey, I said, what? do you want from va- for Valentine's Day? And she said, I don't want anything. So we're going to find out if she was lying or not. <laughs> I'm a hopeless romantic, I am. So that's not entirely true. It's entirely, but I'll save the rest of that story for another time. As I said, it is appropriate to celebrate love. The scriptures talk all throughout about love, but but in a a broader sense. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to turn to a scripture in the Gospel of John that Jesus talks about love and connection. And we're going to begin at verse 5 and read through verse um, 17. This is what we read there in the Gospel. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last." And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would hear your command. 
that is given in love and called us, calls us to love. Speak to our hearts in these moments and shape us in the way of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know where Valentine's Day comes from? Anybody know the story of Valentine? A few of you? A few of you do? Well, I thought it would be interesting to begin with the backstory because I wasn't familiar with the backstory. But the backstory goes back to the third century, Rome, a Roman priest by the name of Valentine. He lived during the reign of Claudius II, the emperor. And um, Claudius did two things of note, at least for this perspective. One, he, uh, he persecuted the church, and Valentine was known to, to shield, protect, and, and um, help those who were being persecuted get to safety. So that was the first strike against him. The second was Claudius believed that in order to have the strongest military, in order to have the most able-bodied and focused young men possible, that they should not be married. So he banned marriage um, for young people because he wanted his soldiers focused. He believed that it would be to their detriment if they had wives and children to be thinking about while they were on the battlefield. Didn't want anything that would get in their way of their willingness to give their lives. And so he banned this. It was, a, if you know your Roman history, it was a very permissive society, a lot of polygamy. But those who had come to faith in Christ and those, those Christians and those who taught believed in the, the sanctity, the, the beauty of, of monogamy, of marriage, of one-to-one and a lifetime of commitment. So, so Valentine um, defied the emperor's orders, and he secretly married couples that would come to him. Eventually, this gets found out, and he's thrown in prison. Now, there's a lot of legends about his time in prison, one of which is that Claudius actually became fond of him, liked him, but Valentine burned the bridge when he tried to share Jesus, when he evangelized, when he tried to convert Claudius to Christ, and that went too far, and so he was sentenced to be killed. It was a threefold execution. He was going to be beaten, he was going to be stoned, and then he was going to be beheaded. And so he was imprisoned, waiting his execution. But while he was there, one of the other stories is that he became friends, connections with his jailer's daughter. Um, one of his captor's daughter would come to the prison and got to know Valentine. She was blind. And the story is that Valentine healed her and restored her sight. And, and even this captor would then become a Christian. Again, this is part of the story. But on the day of his execution... He wrote his last words, his last note to this girl that he had healed, this young girl. And he signed it from your Valentine. And that's where this day, and he died, his execution happened in 269 A.D. on February 14th. And so this day is about a much bigger understanding of love than just kind of the romance that gets attached to it. Now, hear me say, there's nothing wrong with celebrating a romantic love. That's a gift of God. You know, there's three, kind, three primary words in the, uh, in the Greek language and in the Scriptures that, that describe love. 
Uh, there's there's Phila, which is a brotherly love. Philadelphia, this, the city of brotherly love, uh, which celebrates that. And there's Eros, which is a romantic love. The love of a, a man for a woman, woman for a man. But there is also uh, agape love, which is that unconditional love that, that we offer others, that God loves us. So there's a lot of... Um, expressions of love, and they're all worthy to be celebrated. They're all God-given. But, but what I find so fascinating, really, about the story of, of Valentine is the motivation of Claudius to ban marriage. Because that's what really kind of caught my attention and I started to think about. Because Claudius was right from one perspective. Not right in what he did, but he was right in his understanding. Because he believed that if you allowed men, young men to be married, it would weaken their loyalty. And I think he was right there. Because what we know is this. The point of our strongest connections is where we will find our deepest loyalties. Your deepest loyalties, whether it be to people or to, to institutions, a school or a, a place of work or, or some other group body of people, a church, your deepest loyalties are the places that have your deepest connections. And Claudius didn't want anything that would lessen the connection that young men felt to the, to the, to the empire, to Rome. And so while his motivations were misguided, his understanding of human nature was spot on. Our connections are fundamentally and intrinsically um, important to who we are. Our, our, our connections matter. It's interesting how we understand that word. There's a, there's a story of a, a um, in this day and age, a modern story of a kindergarten teacher has her students gathered around, and she says to Davy, she says, Davy, what sound does a cow make? And Davy says, moo. He says, very good. Cindy, what, what sound does a cat make? And Cindy says, meow. Very good, Cindy. And then to Billy, Billy, what sound does a lamb make? Well, a lamb goes ba. Very good, Billy. And then she looks over at Sally. Sally, what sound does a mouse make? And Sally looked up and went click, click, click. <laughs> click, click, click is the sound that many associate with connection? Are you connected? That's kind of the way it's become. And it's, is there a signal? You know, can you get Wi-Fi? That, it's become that, that, that online connection we have. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it's limiting. We know that we're created for much deeper connection. Our, our relationships, the way that we're, we're created to connect to other people is very, very important in, in who we are. I'm not going to cite all the studies, but, but you can go read them. If you, you go online, <laughs> you go online, uh, you can find studies that, that have, have examined human connection and the value it has on human health and well-being. Uh, studies, for instance, that show that, that people that have deep connections in their lives, and I'm not just talking romantic connections. I'm not talking about love connections. I'm talking, or at least love connections in a romantic sense friendships, deep friendships, community connections through church and, and neighborhoods. And a lot of you have very deep community connections. But people who have strong human connections with other people are healthier, three to five times less likely to suffer from heart disease 
And people have strong human connection. We're, we're created for that. Similarly, you're, you're less likely to suffer from, uh, from um, emotional distress. Not, not totally unlikely, but you're less likely when you have deep human connections. The, one of the studies I will cite uh, said that for a man at the age of 55, and they, they, they categorized connection in three categories, um, romantic, like a, a marriage, uh, deep friendships of at least six or more people, friendships with six or more people, and community connections, church, uh, neighborhood, civic association. And they said that men who, at age 55 who had connections in all three of those spheres had the, um, the, the real age of a 46-year-old. If you had two of those connections, then your real age was 49 years old, and even just one of those connections dropped your real age to 53 years old. And it was similar in women, but not quite as drastic, because women are better generally at connection than us guys are. But, but the effects are the same. We, we need human connection. The Scriptures talk about that over and over, and so that's important. So on a day like today, that's, that's the broader sense of what we celebrate, human connection, not just romantic connection. But let's go back to the Scripture. Let's go back to John 15. Jesus is talking about a different kind of connection. Jesus is not just talking about the ways that we connect with others, but he's talking about connecting with him. I am the vine, you are the branches. In, in the text I read from the New International Version, it says, remain in me. And I'm going to say many other translations I like better because the, the, his, the, the, the more traditional translation of that is abide in me. Abide in me. The Greek word for abide is minain. And it is a mutual indwelling. It's a mutual um, relationship. You know, we think of ourselves as abiding in Christ and we need to connect to Christ. But we forget sometimes that that also means Christ abides in us. It's a deep mutual connection in which we find life. And there is value. And Jesus knows how important that is from two significant fronts. Two significant fronts that speak to why this connection matters, why this abiding is so important. And the first is this, that when we abide in Christ, when we are connected to Christ, we are connected to our true source of power. Our strength comes from Christ. He says in the verse right there that I, that I began very, very early, he says, um, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is verse 7, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Later on, he reiterates that. Ask in my name, and it will be done for you. Now, that's really important for us to think about for a moment, because Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to be your fairy godmother, because the abiding really matters there. The ask, if you abide in me, if you are in that connection with me, if nine is happening then ask whatever you wish. Now, why does that matter? Because God knows that in our relationship with Christ, we will ask according to that relationship. We will be shaped by that relationship, shaped by Jesus, even in the things we seek God to do. Let me give you an example. Tony came up to me today and said, Chris, whatever you want, whatever you want, I will do for you. It ain't going to happen, but if she were to do that <laughs> and said, whatever you want, here's what I can promise you. My 
choice, whatever I asked of her, whatever I, I wanted her to do, would be shaped by my relationship and love for her. I would never ask her, regardless of she said there was no limits, I would never ask her to do anything that demeaned her, devalued her, lessened her. Because my choices, my decisions would be guided by my love for her and my desire to honor her. Okay? It's the same way in a much more significant way that it is. And it's true for any nature of a relationship with somebody who you are in that mutual connection with, somebody that you truly love and who loves you. You're not going to choose something that devalues or belittles or contradicts the nature and character of who that person is. So it is with our relationship with Christ. Ask whatever you want. Why? Because in that relationship, our thoughts, our desires are shaped by that relationship. And Jesus is the source of our power, our strength. You can do nothing apart from me. That's what Jesus says, because we're connected. I, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, examples and illustrations, and my mind went to an experience I think I had as a child. And I say I think I had, because as I started to, to, to unpack it, I'm like, did that really happen? I don't know if you ever have those stories, you sort of go, did it really happen, or am I just remembering things that I've made up? But I seem... I seem to recall going to the museum as a child on a field trip and having an experiment that was done where they let all the kids who chose to link hands. And we had the hand of an adult at the end of the, of the chain, and the adult then touched an electrical source. And everybody in the chain got shocked. Anybody else have an experience like that? Or am I making that up? See, it just sounds like something they would never let you do nowadays. That somebody would get hurt and you'd get sued. But that's what I seem to remember. Okay, I'm going to go with it. It happened when I was a child. <laughs> Electricity passes. We know when you ground, it passes human to human. As long as you're connected to the source. As long as you're connected to the source, you feel the power. So that's the way it is with us in Christ. When we're connected to the source, we're connected to Christ, we experience his power in our lives. And that produces power and produce or productivity is the byproduct of a connection with Christ. In London, there is a, um, um, uh, a vineyard that has a, a grape vine that is over a thousand years old. The, the root is two feet thick. And the furthest branch is 200 feet from the root. Careful pruning, careful care. 200 feet from the root. And it's still strong and it is nourished because of the connection. But this is also what it does. It produces grapes. It produces because not only is it connected to the power, but it's connected for the purpose in which it was called and created. When we are connected to Christ, we produce our lives honor Christ. Our lives point to Christ. We get turned inside out because our nature is to be inwardly focused. But the power of Christ at work in our lives begin to make us like Christ. Well, what's the nature of Christ? Christ becomes outwardly focused and lives change in that relationship. In the latter part of the 19th century, a, um, a prominent atheist by the name of Bradlaugh, I believe was his name, in, in, in England, um, challenged a pastor, the Reverend Hugh Price Hughes, challenged him to a debate, atheism versus Christianity, to which Reverend Hughes gladly accepted. But he said, here's the condition. 
I'm going to bring a hundred people with me whose lives have been changed by the love of Christ. I'm going to bring a hundred people with me who are better and who are changed and who are different and who have testimony of their lives being blessed because of their experience with the love of Christ. You bring a hundred people with you who have been blessed and changed because of their decision to become an atheist. And then we'll debate. The debate never happened. A worship service did with a hundred people and more that gave testimony to what the love of Christ, what the power, what the connection in their lives had done for them. But their lives began to bless others. And this is where the productivity, when we become blessed, I say it over and over and over again, you probably roll your eyes, we become a blessing. We live out Christ. And that is love. That's the dominant characteristic of those who are connected to Christ. In verse 9, in verse 9, the text shifts in the abiding. The abiding shifts from what it does for us to what it does through us. And in verse 9 through 17, eight verses, it refers to love nine times. Finishing with this is my command, love each other. Jesus said, if you abide in me, the product of that is love. The result of that is love. People will see me when they see the way you love. And that has to be the place that we start in our walk with Christ. Because I'm telling you, if people see and you love, if they see the way that you love your husband or wife, they see the way that you can love your children or love your parents and love your friends and even more so, if they see the way that we love the stranger. In fact, let's even go one step further. Let's just get real uncomfortable. If they see the way that we love our enemies, you know what Jesus said? He said, what good is it to love those who love you? You don't get any brownie points for that. I'm paraphrasing Jesus now. There are no brownie points for love and those. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When the world sees that, when we live that love, I will tell you what, your life is more valuable than a thousand sermons that could ever be preached because you produce Christ in your life, in your actions, and so do I. We abide. We connect. What is, what is the connection? It's the power to produce, but the, the result is love. It is absolute love across all spectrums of life. That's who we're called to be. Jesus says, connect to me. Abide in me. Remain in me. But the product of that is love because that's the way Jesus lived. That's who he is. And when we are connected to him, that's what we become. Power, productivity, but the result, brothers and sisters, is love. That's the love connection that we celebrate today. Let's pray.